Welcome to Off the Record. I'm your host, Marika, and I'm a dietitian, nutritionist, and recovering perfectionist. Join me each week as I bring you raw and real conversations with inspiring men and women discussing matters in health and nutrition that are often swept under the rug. Sit back, relax, pour yourself a cup of coffee or a wine, and enjoy learning from conversations that help us to understand the messiness of what it means to be a healthy and balanced human. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Off the Record. I hope you are all doing well. I hope that not all of us are in lockdown at the moment, but if you are, I hope you are staying mentally strong, and I hope this episode gets you through another 45 minutes of your day. Um, Now, this week's episode is actually a listener question or an Instagram question that I've had come through um, a couple of times, so I'm not going to name who it came from because one, it's none of anyone's business who it came from, but also because it is really um, a combination of a lot of different questions that have come through around this topic, and I really wanted to start this discussion and um, we're going to go through um, a fair bit of it today, but I think it's going to lead into quite a few other episodes uh, talking around this topic and I guess wh- how we can navigate um, this space. The other thing is that this is such a great question. And what I've found is that when questions like this come up on Instagram um, or um, yeah, in my emails or anything like that, is that the response is so complex, <laughs> complex, com- complicated and complex um, that I can't really explain it in a message response or, you know, a 60 second stories on Instagram. Um, and I mean, I, I probably could, but it wouldn't give it the context that I feel like it really needs. So that is why we're here chatting about it today. Um, the question is, where is the line between healthy striving for goals? So for health related goals, um, and disordered eating. So where is that line? And also, what is that line? So they're seemingly um, contradictory outcomes, I guess. So health goals and disordered eating are really two ends of a spectrum, um, but they do seem to get blurred in the lines a lot of the time. So this discussion today is really sort of going, what is that blur in between and how do we identify it and what do we do about it? So before I actually answer the question, I want to talk about why this is such an important question. And I think it really stems from online. We're seeing a bit of a divide at the moment. Um, and that may be because I'm in the thick of the industry and see, you know, every side of it, but I'm really starting to see, um, I guess, two camps coming up. And I spoke about this in the previous episode on calorie counting where we have this real like, you know, intuitive and um, relaxed approach to health and nutrition. Uh, And then on the flip side, we have like the um, the more, um, what's the word for it? The more structured, rigid, um, weight lossy, diet culture-y even, I would probably say, um, approach to nutrition and health and well-being. Um, And I think where we really struggle is, well, where do I fit on that spectrum? What's healthy on that spectrum? What's unhealthy on that spectrum between um, those two camps? And how do we navigate that space? And ultimately, I think that many people really lie somewhere in the middle. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer um, where you sit in, you know, whether you sit in either of those camps. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Um, 
I think it's really about finding the approach that feels really good for you and feels really um, like something that you can sustain long-term and feel really healthy about as opposed to just, um, oh, I'll get it done for eight weeks and that'll be it. Because that's not a really good approach to go about um, health. When we think about health, it's really our life. Like what you're starting to do when it comes to health is setting yourself up for longevity. And if it's something that you really can see yourself being like, okay, I could probably do it for six weeks, maybe 12 if I push myself. But after that, like no way, probably not the best approach when it comes to your goal being health. If your goal is purely aesthetic and health has nothing to do with it, then that's a different conversation. And I'm probably not the best person to be guiding you on that conversation because I'm not somebody who would ever preach go pure aesthetics, forget health. That is just not my moral values, my anything. So I, I'm not the right person there. Anyway, getting sidetracked. Um, what I was saying is I think that ultimately people do want to lie somewhere between that where they feel like that they can set healthy goals and, um, you know, strive for being a healthier person, a better person even, yet they don't want to do it in a way where it's actually hindering them and making them feel bad about themselves or where it's affecting their mental well-being or even their physical well-being. So I think between that scale, we really do have a lot of people and in particular people like you guys who are listening to this podcast is I think we all have some sort of ideal version of ourselves that we are working towards. And I think this can be where the problem actually begins, or it can be where we really define, well, what is that ideal self and how do we approach that in a really realistic manner? On the flip side of the coin, though, we are learning more and more about the impact of diet culture on our mental well-being, um, the rise in eating disorders and body image issues, as I'm sure many of you have heard about, is just um, astounding. It's just it's just becoming more and more common. And I think we are really starting to see the negative impacts of that on our health and well-being, both in the short term and in the long term. So I think there is um, a lot of us sitting here wondering, like, how the fuck do we actually be healthy when we are showing this version of health that is so disordered online and so um, so hard to really find balance in when it seems so extreme and it is so extreme. Um, and like I said, I think that this is where that rise of intuitive eating is really helpful. But for those people who still feel like they want to set goals and they want to make achievements and they want to do those things, there's this fine line between that. So that's what we're going to dive into. The first thing that I want you to understand when it comes to answering this question is that where that line is, is ultimately going to be different for every single person. And the way that I want you to visualize it is, again, on a spectrum. So at one end of the spectrum, we have eating disorders and we know what eating disorders are. We know how to define them and we know uh, mostly what they look like in terms of signs and symptoms. Now, before I move on, keep in mind that eating disorders aren't defined by your weight or your body fat percentage. It doesn't matter what weight you are, whether you are underweight, overweight, normal weight, you can still have an eating disorder. On the other end of that spectrum, so as I said, one end of the spectrum is eating disorders or disordered eating, and the other end of the spectrum is flexibility and a really intuitive approach to food. 
So one end is rigidity and disordered eating, and the other is flexibility and normal eating. Now, when we're at either end of this scale, um, it's quite easy to tell as a dietitian when somebody is at either end of this scale because, you know, you fit certain criteria. Um, you know, when you answer certain questions, it all sort of falls in line with a certain, uh, I guess, profile that somebody presents with. But in between that spectrum, so in between the two polar ends of that, there's a whole lot of gray and it's really um, hard to sort of pinpoint where that line is. And like I said, that line is going to be in a different place for every single person, depending on so many factors, which we'll get into. Essentially, two people could be at the exact same point on this scale of flexibility to rigidity. And one person could present with patterns and thoughts and behaviors that are really disordered eating, while this other person could be doing the same um, behaviors, but it's not approached with the same rigidity in terms of it's not um, impacting their life in a negative way. So they don't have the disordered thoughts and behaviors and everything around it. Um, And it might be incredibly sustainable and healthy for that individual. Now, what is it that can sort of uh, determine whether somebody like is responding in a, what's the right word here? Um, Responding in a, a disordered way to it includes factors like our psychology, our coping mechanisms, our resilience, and our self-esteem as well. And I'm going to get more into that a bit later on in this podcast. So last week's episode, I believe it was the calorie counting episode. And to use that as an example here, like we discussed in there, um, calorie counting could be an incredibly disordered eating behavior for some people. Um, Yet for another person, it might just be a really easy way for them to eat a balanced diet and to main, uh, I guess, awareness of their diet. Neither is right or wrong. And it's really about being able to identify what is ultimately going to be best for you and to help you create the healthiest life. Keeping in mind your mental well-being is obviously a huge component of your health and your happiness. One thing that I really um, think that we need to cover in this episode as well is Something that I've seen happen far too many times and I think that everybody needs to be aware of is the slippery slope that this line falls on. Um, so this line between healthy eating and striving, it it is a slippery slope for a lot of people. So you could start out, you know, with the best intentions and then things just you just slide downhill really quickly without even noticing some of the time. So you may have been there yourself or you may have seen someone who has been there or you may have heard people talking about this slippery slope. But the story goes that it all starts out as a really healthy journey to get fitter. You might sign up for a challenge or a program and your intention is just to simply feel better about yourself and to eat better and to get fitter. But by the time you've reached the end of the challenge or you're into month two of it, Um, you realize that you have extreme guilt for eating certain foods or you're obsessed with calorie counting and weighing yourself or that the fear of gaining weight has dramatically increased. Now, again, like I said, you started out with this really holistic approach to what you're doing and all of this has really happened without you even intending for it to happen. It just started you know, as that health journey and now you're sort of knee deep in guilt and shame and have no idea how to get out. Like I said, this has unfortunately happened far, far too many times. And honestly, if I can leave this world and have one impact on it, I think that this would be where I would love to be able to have the biggest impact is that 
helping somebody go on a health journey where they feel like that I was going to say that they come out of the journey, but no, they don't come out of the journey because a health journey is not something that you come out of. It's something that you do forever. What I want to say is that it's a journey where you're not negatively affected for going on a health journey, that your mental well-being is actually put first and your social health, like your social life and all of these things actually play into your health journey as well. So it's not just like, okay, we're going to focus on aesthetics and losing weight for a period of time. It's this whole thing needs to come together at the same time rather than be like, let's lose 10 kilos and then we'll focus on our mental well-being. It does not work like that. And I've seen so many people try to do it like that. And it ends up so much worse in the long run. Anyway, that's just life dream, life vision, but moving on. I've also heard this slippery slope talked about in terms of fear around setting goals as well. So people might be like, oh, well, I need to avoid setting goals because if I focus on eating better, then it's just going to be that slippery slope to disordered eating. Now, there might be some truth to this if you are recovering from an eating disorder. And if that is the case, then I strongly suggest um, making sure that you are working with your team and your health professionals if health is the outcome that you're looking for, which it should be in eating disorder recovery, um, to be making sure that your team are on board with this. And even if you're fully recovered, it might be a good time to reach back out to your team and say, hey, look, I really want to focus on my health um, and see whether you know your dietitian is there to be able to support you on that journey as well. But if you don't have a history of an eating disorder or disordered eating um, or not going through recovery, then this still comes up a bit around fear about setting goals. Um, And there are also people out there who will accuse you of having an eating disorder when you focus on being healthier. Um, I've seen it happen with many people before. So, for example, you might decide to start eating more vegetables at each meal and your partner or your parents or friends think that you're being disordered. Or you might choose that you don't want a piece of cake and the same thing happens. People start to say, oh, well, you must be disordered or have assumptions around um, your mental state when it comes to making those decisions. And I guess the hard thing here is that in isolation, neither of those behaviors is disordered. So saying no to eating a piece of cake does not mean that you've got an eating disorder and or an unhealthy relationship with food. And also eating more healthy foods does not mean that you have an eating disorder or orthorexia. Rather, it's around the mental toll that these decisions are having on your health and well-being. So if saying no to cake is just killing you and it's out of guilt and fear and restriction, then that might be disordered. On the flip side, if saying no to cake because you're like, I don't, I don't feel like it, I'm feeling really healthy at the moment, and I know having a massive piece of cake is not going to make me feel good, then that's not necessarily disordered. But your family and friends also could be correct. They might be noticing disordered eating patterns, but on the flip side, they might have just grown up not eating vegetables themselves. themselves. And seeing you eating them is strange to them. Or they might be thinking that, well, if I said no to cake, it would be because I have an eating disorder, therefore you must have one. Now, neither of these is true. Ultimately, the people around you may be able to help you identify patterns that are occurring for you, but only you know what's going on inside your mind. Only you know whether these decisions around food are consuming you 
or they are just choices that you are making to live a little healthier. That really comes down to you. And also if you are working with a psychologist or a dietitian, they might be able to help you understand that decision, but you're going to need to communicate what's going on inside your mind at the same time for them to be able to do that. So my answer is that I think that we absolutely can focus on setting really great goals to improve our health and well-being without risking our mental well-being. And I'm confident of this because this has been my approach to health and well-being um, for both myself personally, but also for the clients that I've worked with over the years. The thing that I think is key, though, is that it really does need a different approach to what we use in the health and fitness industry currently and a different mindset from you as the person who is about to embark on the journey. So firstly, I think that we need to begin with the intentions behind the journey. Are your intentions coming from a place of shame, a place of not feeling good enough, or is it coming from a place of empowerment and wanting to feel better, live better, be stronger, healthier, and happier? The next step, I think, is really questioning the goals that you have set. And say, for example, it is to lose weight. So let's say your goal is to lose five kilos. I want to ask you the next question is why? What is losing five kilos or 10 kilos or whatever it is going to do for you? How is it going to make you feel? And what most people will say here is that it will make me feel more confident. It will make me feel healthier. It will make me, you know, there's always something else there. It's not that the number on the scale is the ultimate thing. For 99% of people that I've worked with, the number on the scale is actually, once we pull back the layers, not the outcome that somebody's wanting. They're wanting better habits, better routines, you know, feeling more confident, um, whatever it is. So I want you to start to think about, well, what are those things and write them down because ultimately the number is not the best motivator here. And if we can start to find out what are the real reasons behind you wanting to make a change in your life for your health, we can set much more appropriate goals. So if it's around, um, creating, you know, feeling fitter or, um, feeling more confident, then we can sort of start to go, okay, well, what are the things that are going to make you feel confident? Is it that eating more vegetables makes you feel more confident because you know how to cook in the kitchen? Or is it you'll feel fitter if you can get out and go for a run for 20 minutes? Um, Working out really, I guess, action-orientated goals is the key here. So as opposed to achieving a number on a scale or achieving a certain, like, I want to look like her or him, um, it's about going, what are the behaviors that are the goals that I want to achieve? And I think that having these action-orientated goals is a much healthier approach to this than um, having, I guess, outcome-orientated goals. The other thing that I think we need to look at is how um, self-aware we are. And I think that being aware of your personality and what is likely going to be triggering for you and what is going to be helpful for you is a really good place to start when you are also on a health journey. So after my years of working with clients, I've sort of picked up on a few signs that uh, I guess lead people into more flexible and to more rigid approaches. 
And the following sort of, I guess, habits or personality traits that I'm going to run through are really, I guess, signs that uh, being rigid is probably not the best idea for you. So some of these things are striving for perfection or being a perfectionist like myself, um, actually recovering perfectionist, recovering, Um, being incredibly self-critical or having really negative self-talk, assigning moral value to food. So foods being, you know, good or bad, having a history of an eating disorder or even a family history of an eating disorder because you've been exposed to disordered eating thoughts high levels of anxiety, guilt around foods, black or white thinking, so all or nothing thinking, and low self-esteem and low self-worth. So all of these, in my experience, are really signs that a flexible approach to eating and nutrition and healthy goals is a much, much better and much healthier way to go than something that's quite rigid and strict. On the flip side, if you have incredible self-esteem, you are so relaxed in your everyday life, you're flexible, you don't assign moral value to food, you don't speak negatively of yourself, um, who the hell are you and what are you doing? Please let me know. (laughs) Um, But also in that instance, then it might not be harmful for you to track calories or to weigh yourself or to do like an eight-week challenge or something like that. And I actually think of my partner here when I think of this example is that he is the most chilled laid back person I've ever met. And I am so jealous, but like if he did an eight week challenge, you know, at a gym, like, and just went really strict for eight weeks, it wouldn't affect him psychologically because he's so flexible in everything else that being a little bit rigid there is not going to take over his life. Whereas I'm a control freak. And if I'm rigid in that area of my life. I'm also rigid in every other area of my life. So I think that you really need to be able to like read yourself and be aware of yourself and sort of go, okay, that's probably not the best approach for me. And the shit thing is, is that diet culture tells us that that rigid extreme approach is the only approach and particularly the only approach. If you really want to see results, if you really want to be healthy, then you've got to do that. That is not true not true in the slightest. And if your mental well-being and your happiness and your confidence are of any importance to you, then I would say the complete opposite. Okay. So we have assessed your level of where you're at in terms of your self-awareness. The next thing I think is really to sort of build up your confidence in yourself to be able to sort of sit there and go, I'm going to take what works for me and I'm going to leave the rest. And this comes to wherever you are getting your health and nutrition advice from. So be it social media, be it a gym, be it a dietitian, be it me, whatever, whoever is saying, whatever advice they're giving you, you need to be able to, I guess, let in what's going to work for you, what's going to, what sits well with you and anything that you're like, oh, no, that's not going to work for me. That's not worth me trying. That's not worth me even playing with the idea of. I'm not even going to let that get into my psyche. I'm not going to let that permeate my soul. I'm not going to let that piece of advice. Yes, it might work amazing for one person, but for me, I know me and I know that that's not going to work well for me. So what I want you to do at the end of listening to this episode is to pull out a pen and paper and write down what does healthy actually look like to you? 
So write down all of the behaviors that you think about when you think of somebody that is healthy. So the healthiest version of you, what does that look like and feel like and what behaviors are you doing? Then once you've done, I want you to go through that list and ask yourself, does that behavior make you feel anxious? Does it make you feel guilty? Does it empower you? Does it bring you confidence thinking about it? What are the feelings associated with that behavior and that habit? And this is a really practical way that you can start to think about, well, what are these specific goals that you can set for yourself? These action oriented goals that are going to be much healthier goals to set for you and for your personality. So strongly recommend doing that once you stop listening to this, get your pen and paper out, write that down in your notes and your phone, whatever you're doing. If you're driving, don't just come back to it. So the next question is around food rules and where do food food rules play into this equation and is it bad to have food rules? So food rules is one of those things that in, I guess, anti-diet culture um, is a complete no-no. Like you can't have any food rules, uh, otherwise you are engaging in diet culture. And that any form of food rules is considered disordered and To be honest, for the most part, I do agree with the whole notion of food rules in that the sense, in the sense that if you have a food rule that labels you as a bad person for breaking that rule, that is awful. Like you are not a bad person. You should never think that you're a bad person. Um, if you've done anything relate, like anything related to your food should not make you feel like a bad person unless you've stolen it off like a starving person or something. No food rule or no food related thing should make you feel like a bad person. So I guess that's where I totally agree with the food rules um, are not a healthy thing if they are making you feel like a bad person. However, on the flip side to that, rules and laws in society have proven to give us some structure and guidance for what to do and what not to do. Um, And I think that food rules can be used to like for some people, again, depending on the personality type, I think they can be used in a more flexible manner to help guide and provide structure. So even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking rules is probably not the right word, but it's more about providing the structure around what we do. And I'm going to give an example by talking about a food rule that I had growing up um, that was placed on by my mom. And I actually think was a great rule. Um, And that food rule was that we always had to eat our meals at the kitchen table. We were not allowed to eat our food anywhere other than the kitchen table unless like we were outside. Um, We would get in so much trouble for eating on the couch and I used to always do it when my mum wasn't around. Um, But it was just one of the food rules that we had in our house. And I actually think that it's a great food rule. Um, Yet it comes down to, again, that mindset behind it is that like a bit of flexibility there is nice as well. Like having a bowl of popcorn on the couch with a movie isn't breaking the rule and you're not a bad person for doing that. It's just that for the most part, we eat at the dinner table and that's the food rule. So I think that it depends again on how you approach food rules if you're going to use them. Another example I'm going to use here is a food rule, which I wouldn't have even, when I was sort of planning this episode, I was like, oh, is that a food rule? But it depends on how you look at it. And so the thing that I'm thinking about here is for me, dinners and lunches as a primary rule, I guess, is that I have vegetables at them. Like I eat vegetables at nearly every single lunch and dinner. Um, And some might say that that is a rule that I have, uh, that a main meal must have vegetables at it. So lunches and dinners must have vegetables. 
But if a day comes where I don't have any vegetables, both at lunch and dinner, it's not like it bothers me. I'm just like, oh, well, like whatever, who cares? But for the most part, I follow that. And it's not because I think that I'm a bad person if I don't, but just because I know when I eat vegetables at lunch and dinner, I feel fuller, I feel healthier, I feel better in every sense. So again, I'm not sure rule is the right word to use there, but it really is when we think about a guidance like and providing structure. I think it's okay to have those sorts of, I guess, rules um, around the way that you eat. Again, the primary thing here I'm trying to drive home is that it's not about having things that make you feel like you're a bad person if you don't do it. And again, I think that having flexibility there is important. All right. So I wanted to finish off with some signs that your health journey isn't so healthy, um, but also some good ways to think about healthy eating and living so that it isn't so black and white. So signs your health journey isn't so healthy. If you're all of your thoughts around, well, all of your thoughts throughout the day are related to body image or food or weight. That is a sign that your health journey is taking a turn for the worse and that we need to start focusing on how you can feel better and how like a health journey should allow you to live your healthiest life so that then your thoughts and your energy can go towards actually living your life. So be it, you know, spending time with your family or be it, you know, your passion project or your work or whatever it is that you want to spend those thoughts on. Um, If you've lost your period. So if your menstrual cycle is irregular since beginning your health journey, questioning whether it's actually a health journey. If you are feeling guilty for eating certain foods um, or if you're forcing yourself to eat foods that you hate because diet culture told you that you had to have zucchini, oats or whatever it is, um, there's other ways to get in vegetables or other ways to get in fruits and those sorts of things without forcing yourself to eat things because diet culture told you to. Um, Another sign is if you're obsessing over aspects of what you're doing and you don't have that flexibility there. So for example, like if your goal is to hit 10,000 steps every day and you're so obsessed about it that you're like, oh my God, I have to finish work earlier today because I've got to get home and I've got to get the steps in before it goes to bed at night. And oh my God, now the sun's setting. So I've got to go and go for my walk. Um, Or like you're trying to get those last few steps in just so that you can hit that number. When it's like the three steps doesn't matter. Like, well, like even the thousand steps, if you hit 9,000 instead of 10,000, I mean, does it really make that much difference? Um, And then the final one here is like feeling like there's no room for pleasure or enjoyment because pleasure and enjoyment is such an integral part of life. And I think that we really need to come to a point with health where we can sort of see it as that we can have health alongside pleasure and enjoyment. And to be honest, I don't think there is a version of health that doesn't include pleasure and enjoyment because, oh my God, that sounds miserable. So all of those things are signs that you're probably too far along that rigidity scale that I was talking about um, than what is actually healthy for you. And toning it back towards that flexibility is going to be a really crucial thing for you. And this is something that we're going to cover in um, future episodes is talking about like, yeah, how do we actually find this balance and what are the things we engage in? Because it's not something that we can even cover in one podcast. This is like lifelong learnings and habit building and everything. So um, yeah, it's not going to change overnight. 
I do suggest, though, if you are really struggling with this, that you reach out to a healthcare professional, so be it a psychologist or a dietitian that you can work with one-on-one if you feel like this is all-consuming for you. Um, I think it's important to begin that journey if you feel like the anxiety and the overwhelm and the guilt is just consuming you. The other thing you can do is that uh, tool that I mentioned earlier, so writing down um the habits that make you feel healthy without the anxiety or the guilt. And the other thing I want to note with that is that when you're writing it, what you probably will notice is that diet culture thoughts may pop up. Um, So you might be writing down some of these healthy habits and as you're doing it, you've got these thoughts popping in, but what if I gain weight or what if this or what if that? And what you have to do here is to remind yourself and be really self-compassionate and going, well, no, this is actually about being healthy and happy. And that is what health is. And if it makes me feel anxious and if I'm self-loathing, that is not a health journey. And that is not how I want to be healthy. I mean, unless it is how you want to be healthy, then we probably have different views of health. Okay. So my takeaways from this episode, are, I feel like I'm out of breath. Um, but my takeaways from this episode are to know your personality and know what it's like for you and where healthy sits on that scale of flexible to rigidity um, for you. So where you sit in terms of that and where I guess health falls in terms of that scale of flexibility and rigidity. The next thing is to know your triggers. So if weighing yourself, counting steps, tracking calories, cutting out food groups, if they make you feel anxious, then stop doing them because they don't have to be in your definition of health. You don't need to fit what somebody else's idea of health is because we are all at different points in our life. We all have different makeups. We all have different triggers. So don't compare that um, part. If it triggers you, let it trigger you and do something different. Um, remember that your mental well-being is such an integral part of your health. If you aren't mentally healthy, you aren't physically healthy and no body, so no body shape, size, weight is worth sacrificing your mental health for. Um, find ways to focus on health that actually feel good for you. So like I said, with that activity, writing down what is actually going to feel good for you and then finally get support where you need it. So if you do struggle with an eating disorder and need support, or if this episode has brought up anything for you, you can contact the Butterfly Foundation. They do have a support chat line if you feel like that you do need to chat to somebody about it. And you can contact them on 1-800-334673. So that is, I believe, a 24-hour hotline, but maybe just Google the Butterfly Foundation just to check the timings of that. Otherwise, it's like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, but yeah, the Butterfly Foundation is an incredible support foundation for eating disorders. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. As I said, in the coming weeks, we are really going to dive deeper into these conversations around finding balance and um, in the incoming months as well, you know, how to, I guess, set health goals, how to achieve health and what that looks and feels like for you. So please make sure that you are subscribed on your favorite podcasting platform. Um, and if you loved the episode, please let me know on social media by tagging me at Marika Day. I really appreciate, as I say every week, 
every bit of support you guys give me creating a podcast is time consuming and not financially rewarding. Um, so I am endeavoring to sort of get this word out about this podcast and get my message of health out there. So if it resonates with you, if you like it, if you think somebody else might like it, I so appreciate the support. So thank you so much in advance, guys. Have a wonderful week ahead and look forward to chatting with you next week.